Podcast, your podcast for all things related to sci-fi Superman prequel series Krypton. I'm Michelle, and with me as always is Lacey. Hey guys. Hey. So let's just dive right in. Uh, there was a lot of stuff that happened this week. Uh, episode 4, The so Word much. of Rao. So, so much. Um, so let's start off with, did you like it? Oh my gosh, I loved it. I thought this was the best episode all season, like, by a lot. There was so much that happened. There was so many things that surprised me. I thought almost every major character got an important moment or a great scene. And we finally saw some interactions that I had been waiting for a long time to happen, which is mainly the other, all the women talking to one another, (laughs) Um, which is always awesome. But especially on a show like this, which I still feel like is primarily being when I say carried here, I don't necessarily mean it in a negative way. I don't think the show is is bad or anything. I just think that the women are the standout element of it. Absolutely. And they were especially standout this week. Absolutely. I know. It was it was great to finally get to see, like, Nissa and Jaina and Nissa and Lyda. And just... I've been waiting for Nissa and Lyda for so long. Oh, so good. It's so weird to say that, like, on episode four, but I feel like I've just been waiting I know it, it's it feels like uh like really it hasn't really we're not that many episodes like but it just it does it's like you've really really wanted this interaction to happen um and Nissa is just so it, it's so funny her and her and Lyda are so different but like like even just when she comes in and she's like Seg sent me I haven't seen him well not since he left my my apartment or whatever she says. Not since he left my residence. <laughs> like she just says it so like you know, she just you know you just know she's trying to get the dig in. And then she's like, We have a child. His name is Corbex. And Lyda's just like, Okay, I'm about to die. Do you have to make it worse? <laughs> like, really much. Like also, I have to. I feel like I'm always like, let's take a moment and talk about all the fashion on the show because I'm an incredibly shallow person. But the Lawmakers Guild has way better uniforms slash outfits, whatever, than the rest of the guild. I'm sorry. That outfit that she was wearing to to go lawyer was, or what did they call what, I, I Ad, She what called herself her advocate, but I assume that that's like a lawyer, like her court-appointed yeah. lawyer. It was a good outfit. All of Nissa's outfits this week were just amazing, thanks to her. I'm in my head calling it her, like, her dress me machine, you know, from Clueless, where mm-hmm. Alicia Silverstone just flips through looks and decides what to wear every day. And I'm like, where has this technology been? How is everyone not using this in the future? I need one. I'm like, oh, let's see how this will look on me. Here, AI me. <laughs> Go back and forth in this dress. 
I loved that whole sequence too. Like just her looking at the dresses and then like he comes in and she's like, which one? He says the gold when she puts the black one on. Of course. I mean, I mean, I feel like black is sort of her signature thing. Right. I also kind of like chuckled because I was like, I feel like that's like typical wife like reaction. Like you ask your husband and then whatever one he picks, you put the opposite one on. True, true. Um, and then I loved how she just, like, dropped her her robe, and he's just like, oh, whoa. Uh, she's like, what's the matter? It's like, oh, nothing. I just, um. <laughs> I really, really, I feel like I say this every week, so I'm sorry, Internet, that I just keep standing really hard for Nisavek. But I, and this episode particularly, that like, there's just so much to her character, and I want to see more of what it is that makes her tick. Because I don't, I don't have, feel like I have a good handle on which version of herself is the presentation and which version is the real her. And maybe that's the point. Maybe she is some mixture of all of these things. And maybe I'm not supposed to know, but I want to know. And I want her and Lydia to be like friends. That's probably not going to happen, but I really like their dynamic together. You know, and it I was funny because when I was watching this episode in my mind, I, I felt like I could picture some sort of future in which they are this weird little like throuple. Yeah. where like, they do get along because just because of the nature of the way the system is sort of set up where like you're binded with someone just because your DNA is going to create a good kid. And like, I could see like a mutual respect, like even though Nissa sort of gets her digs into Lyda, I feel like she still then like helps her and talks to her like a mature adult. Like it wasn't like a, I don't know, like a jealous thing or a, I know it's weird. Do we know? And then here's, here's me again, like being like, I want more explanation of how this, this, this society is set up. But do we know that if you are, are bound to someone, can you just like bind them and combine your genetic material and then like peace out? Do you have to like live with them? Is that a requirement? Or can you just like, you know, get together genetically and then like go off and live your other lives? Until you want to have another kid? I don't know. No, I think... I mean, I get the, the feeling that when you are binded together, you now become part of one another's, like, house. Whichever house is... Like, yeah. in, in Nissa and, and Seg's case, you know, her house is of the higher rank, so he becomes part of the of the Vex house. Whereas, like, if Dev bonds with or binds with Lyda, then he probably becomes part of the Zod house, because the Zod house is, is more prominent or you know, affluent, I guess, than, than probably his house. I mean, and maybe once it's official, you actually have to act like, I mean, for lack of a better term, maybe you have to act like a married couple. Like right. maybe that's required in the, in the teachings of Rao or something. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That would be my assumption that that's how that works. But like, I could see them like, I don't know. I, I don't, I felt like there was a good dynamic between Lyda and Nissa, and I could see them sort of working towards a common goal together in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it, in terms of, of Nyssa, what, what was interesting, you know, we got a lot of information about the Vexes and sort of what their end game is. And, um, you know, we find out that they're not how we thought that they were super loyal to the voice of Rao. They're not. They're actually like undercover trying to overthrow Rao. And according to Nyssa, it sounds like she and Lyda sort of have similar viewpoints. Yeah. I mean, she sounded like a real little revolutionary in there talking about, you know, bringing the people together and helping others and stuff. Right. 
And so I'm curious if, again, you know, is that BS because she knows that sort of, I mean, she says it to Jaina. So Jaina's just like toeing the company line. Like that's kind of her, her MO. So saying it to Jaina isn't really going to bring her anywhere. Saying it to Lyda would, you know, because that's sort of Lyda's thing is, you know, trying to do what's best for, for everyone. Um, so I kind of feel like she's, she's sincere in that. In that she does believe that whatever their plan is and that overthrowing Rao, will, they will be able to create a situation where Candor is better for everyone. So I feel like that was not a lie. Um, I don't know. I feel, like, I, I feel like I've just been so conditioned not to trust anything on television. <laughs> um, and especially because we've seen Mrs. Character go back and forth a couple of times right. on like who on how, how trustworthy of a narrator she is. Part of me's like, but what if she's just telling Jaina that so that Jaina will tell Lyda? Like, what if she thinks it would be more believable coming from her mother than from her? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, the only thing that made me sort of feel like she was telling the truth this episode is because she tells the same truth through the whole episode, even like with her father. That's a good point. You know, like she, she go when she realizes that he has had Koldaw lie... She's, like, super pissed. And she's like, you are screwing with our plan. What are you doing? You know, like, we need these people. And yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess if her goal, I, I guess if it was sort of a more shallow, like, girl fight kind of thing, like, the easiest way to get rid of her rival would just be to let her die. Right. But I think she, she very much is looking at the bigger picture. You know, we can't do this. I need these people. We need these people for our, for our ultimate goal. Yeah, I tweeted this last night, but I will put, like, cash money down right now. Nissa is going to be, like, running house facts by the end of this season. Like, oh, 100%. Cool. Darren doesn't make it out of season one alive. Oh, yeah. No way. Sure. And I, and I definitely, at the end of this, uh, during this episode, thought she is going to turn on him. Yeah. Like, she, she will throw him under the bus for whatever the end goal is at some point. Oh, yeah. And, and and will take his position of power without without question. I think that's something that'll happen by the end of the season. Yeah, they don't seem to have a particularly. Um, they seem very open with one another and very, you know, connected. But I don't get an extremely paternal vibe in either direction from any of them. Any of them? There's two of them. Right. I don't get a very like, paternal vibe from him towards her, and I don't get a very like family vibe from her in response. They just seem to be like people with a common cause as opposed to family. Yeah, you know, I, I, I feel like if I was to sit and try to guess what Nissa's upbringing was like, um, I feel like being the youngest of five, she probably had to fight... You know, she probably had to prove herself over and over again to her father that she was, you know, because I feel like he would probably favor the older child just just from how he is. Like, you know, the fact that she becomes a lawmaker and, like, she says, I'm really good at it. Like, I just get this feeling that she's always had to sort of, like, strive to be the best. And that the fact that she is the one that's there in with him, I feel like she probably had to prove that. So there's there's... I would imagine tension between them as in like a, in a more traditional father daughter relationship. That makes sense. But they're like fascinating to me. I'm always just like, what are they up to? And it's so interesting because I feel like Darren, when you first meet him in the first episode, it's like one of those, you know, you think, you know, but you have no idea. 
He mm -hmm. seems very like not evil, but skeevy. Just and, and not like afraid of anything. Whereas in the past two episodes, particularly in this episode, he seems almost weak in a way that I didn't think he was. Mm -hmm. You know, that he's sort of like, well, I mean, we have to, you know, we have, we have to, you know, Rao wants a, the voice of Rao wants a scapegoat or whatever. Somebody has to be responsible. And, you know, like, he's almost just like, well, what are we going to do? I mean, what, and she's like, well, we'll deal with it. You know, like, she's like, you can't sacrifice these players. We need them. So we got to, we got to find another way. And he's the one who's just ready to like tuck tail and, and, and yeah, do, like, do whatever. Which is another reason why I believe that she will eventually just sort of throw him under the bus and. Take over. Take over. I, I totally believe that. Yeah. So do you what? think, do you think that she's like in love with Seg? Hmm. I don't know. It's, I mean, she's so hard to read in like every situation. But like even when she gets him to admit that he loves Lyda, like she kind of looks like a little upset. Like when she turns around, like she looks upset. And then she gets those little digs in at Lyda. And I'm like, I mean, we don't really know if they know each other. You know, like, or if when they, they met for the first time was when he was in, you know, when Darren tells him, oh, you know, I'm going to rank you and you're going to marry my daughter. Because she gives that, yeah. you know, she tells him like, oh, you, you know, my father thinks he's who picked you. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. Well, he is very pretty, so I can see why she would... She would push for that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I like that one. <laughs> from the shallow end. But um, I don't know. She's so, she seems just so, I'm going to say crafty, but I don't necessarily mean it in a bad way. I mean it more in a, in a, in a did all the research, like figure out who this person is kind of way. Like I'm, I'm sure she knew who he was and who his family was and everything that their house you know, had meant and was currently going through. Like, I'm sure she did her homework and knew all of that stuff in, in the choosing of him. I'm sure she didn't actually pick him just because he's hot. Right. But right. I don't know. I'm, t I'm torn because I also, I get the vibe from her that, that she cares about him, but I also don't think they know each other very well at all. So right. I don't, I don't know if it's more she cares about him or if she wants, a relationship with someone that she can actually either control or even, even trust if you want to read it in, in a kinder way. Like I get the, I get the impression that sort of being a Vex must be like this constant state of competition and manipulation. And let's, let's be real for all of sex, great qualities. I don't, I don't get the sense. He's a, a master manipulator. <laughs> no. And in any way. So I don't know. Maybe she just wants someone to love her best. I feel, I feel like it's definitely going to go. If it's not already, it's definitely going to like go down the path of like something more between them happens because that's what happens on television. Right. And whether that's one sided or, or both of them, I don't know. It's, I think it's clearly going to get messier between them I don't know if I think it started off messily between them, if that makes sense. Mm. Yeah, I definitely, I mean, I agree. I think I, I definitely get the feeling that she just like, you know, because if she, if she's trying to just unite all of these people, right, you know, because she says to her father, like, we need Lyda, we need Seg, we need Jada, you know, 
causing any kind of rift between Leida and Seg or any rift between her and either of them is probably not really like going to be great for her cause. So when she does sort of give those little digs to Leida, I feel like it's more personal. Yeah. And, but I question whether that is, I think you're totally right about that because I also think Nessa probably has a pretty high opinion of herself. Right. But <laughs> I, I wonder if the, the digs at Leida are more about, like Seg as a person and or their relationship with one another or her just needing to feel superior over anyone at all times. Mm, this is true. Yeah. I don't know if it has to do more with him or she just likes to have power. Have the right. upper light. Yeah. The upper hand. Yeah. That makes sense. So Lyda, my other favorite woman. I know. I mean, can the guys just wander off like, <laughs> for a little bit on the show so we can just have some episodes of just the ladies because like they're all the women are so amazing it was so funny i think at some point um because you know we have we have uh seg actually saying out loud that he loves lyda in this episode and dev m also kind of alludes to loving her as well and um i think at some point i tweeted like oh everyone's in love with lyda and i'm like I totally get it, guys. Me too. Like, yeah, <laughs> totally understand. <laughs> I liked that Dev, you know, always seems to, you know, be there for her. And she's like, you know, you've always been so loyal. And, and he's like, yeah, I was hoping you, like, you know, it's more than that, right? And she's just like, so oh, cute. so cute. Um, although I have, a th I, I will admit freely that I have a thing for, like, the trope of the sort of, of the stoic, awkward, like, I don't know how to express my feelings verbally, so I will just like be really helpful. Yeah, like, so that like I I kind of always have a thing for that. So I'm like, oh, he loves her. <laughs> like he'll probably say he loves her like one time in his whole life, and that'll be like it. But he'll you know he'll show it more than say it. Right. So I, I think he's so nice. He's so nice, yeah. and I was like, oh, and then you know. It's funny because I feel like, you know, if we're just discussing the love quadrangle or whatever at the moment, uh, I love every facet of it. You know, you usually do. usually there's someone that you're like, eh, you know, but like there's a part of me that I really love Lyda and Seg and I love Lyda and Dev and I love Seg and Nissa. So I'm like, oh, I don't know. Like, I don't know how I want this all to turn out, you know, because I really don't want like poor Dev to be left in the out in the cold. I don't know. I, I mean, I like everybody involved in this too. And I also like the feeling that, and, and actually tell me if you get this feeling as well. I don't think this is going to be one of those shows like, sorry, Vampire Diaries, I'm calling you out. Like that just swaps partners around. Oh no, no. <laughs> so I, I don't get that, that kind of vibe from Krypton. So I think like when people make some choices, they're going to be in large part, like, the choices. Right. Although I would not be surprised if, like, Seg and Nyssa have some kind of, like, oh, like, one of those plot lines where it's like, well, we're married now, let's try to like each other. <laughs> right. And then it, like, doesn't work, or it does work for a little bit, and then it doesn't work. I wouldn't be surprised if there is the... Do we have ship names for this show yet? I guess not, because everybody's names together are kind of terrible. Like, I, w I wouldn't be surprised yeah. if there's a little bit of Seg and Nyssa and also Seg and Lyda at some point at some point in here and maybe a, who knows maybe even a heretofore unknown third party right. maybe none of these people end up together i would believe that too 
Maybe Nissa is also in love with Lyna. I mean, and then we could have a real quadrant. <laughs> and then everyone is just in love with Lyna. I mean, it would be completely understandable. I mean, I would believe it. Absolutely. And maybe her little digs are just to get her to, like, not, like, seg. <laughs> like me better. Like me better. I'm going to save you. Hmm. I think this goes back to us trying to predict, like, which one of them was going to be, like, Superman's grandmother. And I'm like, maybe it's neither of them. Right. I don't know. Also, I mentioned this to you off air, but um, for some reason we're four episodes in and it has only just occurred to me that Seg is not just Superman's grandfather, but Supergirl's grandfather as well. Yeah, I didn't really think of that until I saw someone <laughs> thinking about it last night. And, and I'm shocked that I didn't think about it, honestly. But there's just, like, what if this means that we're in a different universe? No one mentioned her. But I guess, I guess, you know, that's just too many rights issues. But right. I mean, also, also, you know, if Adam was sent by Superman, then he probably wouldn't mention Supergirl. That's true. For whatever reason. Maybe he doesn't know her. Maybe he hasn't met her yet. Maybe she hasn't fallen from the Phantom Zone. Oh, that's true. Because we don't know what actual, like, we don't know where from the future he's from. Right. Ugh, the time. Yeah, <laughs> there's just, like, <laughs> all of these things, like, just, like, hurt my brain. And I'm like, wait, so... <laughs> then I start thinking about all these things. Because then that took me down this whole rabbit hole of, like, well, maybe, like, Jor-El and Zor-El are half-brothers. Because I'm, like, entirely convinced that Leida is at some point going to have an L child. I don't know why. And, like, and like the soap opera watcher in me just can't resist the thought that she's going to stow away a kid. Like, I just... No, it, that's what would happen on, like, General Hospital. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that, that's exactly what would happen. And then, like, they would never know, and it would be so tragic, and... <laughs> I could see it, is all I'm saying. I tend to go down these little these little rabbit holes. Um, but I did like um, her scenes with her mom were good. You know, Jane is still still towing this, like, you know. Like, she seems like she's not going to do anything for her kid. And I'm like, really? I, I mean. Because it feels like she did do stuff for the elves. I mean, not like a lot. But she helped them not, you know, she helped Seg's parents not get tortured and questioned. She's sort of helped Seg, and now she's like, oh, well, I guess my daughter will just be executed. That sucks. Yeah, like, I'm like, uh, alright. Oh, I also really loved when, like, Seg finds out that she's been arrested, and he shows up all, like, you know, ch chest puffing, and, uh, him and Dev sort of get into it, and then Jaina comes over and, like, manhandles him, and is like, knock your shit off and leave. <laughs> like, Although I will say the one thing that I was really irritated with her about is that she still seems so hung up on this idea that everything that, that Lyda did with the Rankless was somehow about Seg. And I still, I don't understand yeah. the framing. It's weird. And, and I liked too today, like when Dev was like, Rankless aren't allowed up here. And he's like, I'm not a Rankless anymore. Like, I'm like, yeah, like, I mean... Even if she was doing something for him, like, it, they're not connected any longer. Like, he's ranked. Yeah. Even though, apparently, he hasn't had to show up for work yet, but... <laughs> he's just trudging, he's trudging through the snow. He's just he's, hanging out. He doesn't have stuff to do. But I just, I don't know, I don't know why that bugs me so much, because I think it's just, um, I think it just really, I don't, I, I can't think of another word but belittle, but belittle is not quite the word I want. It's just, like, minimizes maybe lightest choices like yeah. i don't think she did any of that for seg i think she did it because she's like these are people 
I should help them. It's the right thing to do. This is going to make things worse right. if we just start, like, indiscriminately murdering people. Like, let's not do that. I mean, in regards to, like, why she didn't go into the the control room, like, that is a secret she's keeping for Seg. But, like, the whole thing that happens with the rankless and, you know, like, the person, get like, getting killed and her arresting Cole Dahl, like, none of that has anything to do with Seg. It's just so weird to me that Jane is so hung up on it. I mean, and maybe that's what she needs to believe, that, like, that's the only, like, being into a boy would be the only reason her, her daughter would... Not follow would orders. Like and... or ...would act like this or something. But it just... It, there just seems to be so much evidence to the contrary for me, and she just doesn't recognize any of it. And it's driving me a little crazy. Yeah. It's, it's definitely... Like, like you said, it, it just, it's sort of, it's just short-sighted of her, you know, like, and it just, I think it's just sort of further proving that she doesn't really know her daughter. Mm-hmm. You know, if she thinks that the only motivation that Lyda could possibly have to do something like this and to be tried for treason is, is for sake, like that she would, you know, die essentially to, to keep a secret for him. No, that's like a pretty big crush. <laughs> right. So it's like... You know, it, like you said, it sort of just, it, it, I think deepens the, widens the divide between, you know, mother and daughter. The fact that she just doesn't really seem to understand her at all. Yeah, it's really, it's, it's not that surprising, I guess, because they don't seem to have the greatest relationship right. anyway, but, but it's, it's sad. Which makes me excited for next week's episode, because next week's episode is titled House Zod or House of Zod. Um... And so I'm hoping that there's like a little bit more in-depth sort of analysis into their relationship and I want flashbacks. Yeah, that would be cool. I did I did really like um back to Seg for a second. I really loved the line. And I don't I don't I know we're talking about how everyone is very shippable together, but I thought this was just sort of like particularly romantic was the part where he was like, It's not worth it to stay I'm butchering this quote, but he's like, It's not worth it to save Krypton if light is not on it. Oh, yeah, I was definitely I'm like, like oh, oh, that's so cute. I think he I'm says uh, a Krypton without Lyda isn't worth saving. It's, it's like it's like watching Leonardo DiCaprio in that Baz Luhrmann, Romeo and Juliet, like yelling in the field. Yes. But I love that, too. So it's okay. Yeah, that was definitely... And how he... It, it's funny, too, because he... Um, I was a little, like, disappointed in him that he was willing to just bring Rom, like, right up there. Like, I was yeah, like... Yeah, I didn't love that either. I was kind of like, oh, you just went through this whole thing last week where you're like, no, I have to save her. I mean, I guess if she's dying anyway, what's the harm? (laughs) Yeah, I guess. I I guess, you know, like, it's not like he's turning her over, like she's dying. And I feel like he's not exactly um, behaving super rationally about this issue. Right. He is literally going around telling strangers, basically, that he's in love with Lyda, and I feel like if you're having an affair with someone who isn't your like bond mate or whatever, you should probably keep it on the DL and not tell literally everyone you see. You know what? I, I think the best part about it was I feel like Lyda and Seg think that they've been pretty discreet this whole time. And literally everyone knows. It's like everyone knows. It's like, one of those things where it's like, like no, Brianna we know. Is the flash. Right. Like <laughs> everyone knows. Like not a secret. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like literally you can tally like 15 people that know that Barry Allen is the Flash. I, I can't stop laughing about it. It's just like my, one of my biggest 
I love the Flash. Let me just preface it with that. But like, how many? Like, why does he even wear a mask anymore? He like gets on the bus and is like, "Hey, bus driver, guess what? I'm the Flash." Like, what? Stop. Yeah, he'll like just randomly tell people that like they just met, and I'm like, "What? What are you doing? Like, what?" Uh, Barry, this isn't the Marvel Cinematic Universe. You don't get to like, you don't announce who you are. <laughs> it's just so, it's wild to me. But like, that's a little um, bit how I felt with this. He's like, yeah. I'm going to tell Nissa, and I'm going to tell Dev, and I'm going to tell Gina, and I... and it's like, no, they already know. <laughs> I'm just going to tell everyone. I thought it was really, um, I thought I thought it was a a very, I thought it was really pretty romantic like his his like it's not worth saving this place if she dies and and a little bit I really liked how kind of thematically it's both similar and uh different from his later relatives because I think the whole I, I'm stealing this phrase from Star Trek but I think I think the whole idea of the the one versus the many thing is is clearly not something that the tag is subscribing to at this, right. particular, point, at this right. particular point in time. I don't know that, that, you know, that Superman always made those choices either when it came to, to people like Lois. So right. I guess it runs in the family. Right. Right. Well, that is always like, um, you know, something that, that villains would try to present Superman with that choice between, you know, Lois and, and the masses. And uh, you know if you're if you're a Man of Steel or a BBS fan, that's that's in BBS. That's the big crux of it is that that whole thing happens in the beginning because he goes to save her, and you know she's like, oh well, if you didn't have to save me, you know if you weren't coming to save me, then this wouldn't have happened. Yada yada yada. Blah blah blah. <laughs> <laughs> Lois always deserves to be saved. <laughs> uh, pretty much. I mean. Although, really, I'm like, Lois needs to save herself. Like, let her save herself a little bit. <laughs> but that's just me. Right. As we digress. <laughs> oh, that's a pretty, like, big tangent. Where were we going with this? Oh, well, wait. Let's talk about my other favorite topic, which is who the heck is the voice of Rao? Because I'm sorry. I'm one... Th- like, you do not shoot scenes like that with literally showing us his entire body except for his face. If that's not a person that we're meant to recognize at some point. Well, like, so it's just rubbing it, it's just rubbing it in. <laughs> well, I have the answer to that question. So it was funny when the, when the opening scene happened, um, no, I think it was last week or the week before we talked about someone saying that the voice of Rao and Brainiac sound the same. Mm-hmm. And I looked up, you know, the actors, right? So Blake Ritson is the actor that plays Brainiac is, um, under all the green makeup. Under all the green makeup. So when I know what he looks like. So when we saw the opening scene of the episode, I was like, hmm, it kind of looks like the back of Blake Ritson. I mean, you know, it could just be any brunette thin man. But, you know, knowing that there is an actor on this show and that the theory is that Brainiac and the voice are the same person, I was like, huh, that's interesting. So then at the end of the episode, um, a, a couple of things I read say like, oh, you get to see his face. And I was like, well, not really. His hands are in front of his face. It wasn't really discernible who he was. But apparently we were supposed to realize that that is Blake Ritson. Oh. So the actor who plays Brainiac is also now, is also the voice of Rao. But it's not that the voice is Brainiac. I guess just the actors doing both. 
according to him. Because uh, he was interviewed. There's, um, I can try to tweet it out um, from the from the podcast I Twitter. That, um, there was an interview with him. Yeah. Uh, they had it on comicbook.com and, and KSI TV and stuff um, that he was interviewed about it and basically was like, yeah, that's me. You know, oh yeah, you see me at the end. And I was like, oh, I didn't realize we were supposed to be able to discern your face because your hands are in front of it. And all I saw was an eyeball. I know. I mean, I'm not that good. And I, right. I was like, I didn't, I mean, I only guessed it in the beginning of the episode because I know what that actor looks like. And I already had that theory floating in my head. Like, otherwise, I don't think I would have put that together at the end of the episode. Oh my gosh. Like, unless your face is like Chris Evans is, I, it's not happening. Like, sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry, like, Ritz in, no offense. <laughs> right. So I was like, oh, oh, okay. This is the same. This is like, we were, we were supposed to recognize that that's the same person. So I was like, oh, okay. Um, that's cool. I, I did not, but okay. Like, I was like... Yeah, so do we think that that means that... that I feel like, I, I feel like I'm falling down like a Westworld-esque rabbit hole here. Like, does that mean we're supposed to assume that, that this is some, like, younger, not aliened out version of Brainiac? Or is this now a different person because they got... Is this, is this now something else because it became the Sentry thing or whatever? Um, according to the interview, it's, they are not, like, the same person. Like, he is now just the sentry. The voice is now, like, the sentry for Brainiac. Okay. But I feel like there's a little bit more to why, like, that's the, that's the answer, the company line that he's towing right now. But I feel like there has to be more to the fact that the same actor is playing both characters. Same. I'm sorry. Like they spent a lot of time not letting us see him until this apparently very revealing eyeball. Right. Like that. They spent a lot. I was like laughing at the beginning of this episode. I was like, they are working really hard to not show his face. Right. So I feel like they're, I mean, like I said, I could just be like, this could just be like Westworld where I'm like convinced that something's happening and it's not, but like, it just, I don't know. I feel like there has to be something else going on there because otherwise why bother with all that other stuff? Yeah. And that's the thing that I was kind of like, like, um, get a paycheck, which I support because he seems nice, but it's just, I don't know. I don't believe it. Right. Like I was like, I feel like that's just an odd choice if it's just randomly like, Oh yeah, I'm going to play both characters. I mean, obviously when he's in the Brainiac makeup, you can't really tell that it's him. Um, you know, it doesn't really like look, it doesn't really, yeah. like, look like him. So, I I mean, I guess, if you were just trying to save money, you could be like, hey, you know what? When he's not in the makeup, you know, you can go do this role, too. I just feel like, because now he's the century, it just seems a little... Seems a little... little it seems just seems a little odd. Um, I'm going to hold on to my conspiracy theory. I think there has to be, <laughs> yeah. has to be more to this. Um, but I, I will say I liked the... I, I, I think that the the... What do we call that? He's the voice of Rao, and the group of them is the word, word of, of Rao. Rao. Yeah. Okay, so I think the word of Rao has some also amazing fashion sense. Like, <laughs> I don't really understand why every piece of their outfit has has this script stuff on it, even when they're separate. But it looked awesome. They looked a little like Time Lords from Gallifrey, which we all know I'm super into. <laughs> they also um, seem to have like a prayer tattooed on their face. Yeah, which I. I, I assume someone on the internet probably knows what it says, but I'm not that person. <laughs> um, apparently, 
so I was listening to um, my friend Russ Burlingame. He writes for comicbook.com. He was talking about this, and he... It is actually actual like Kryptonese characters, and it is translatable. Um, what? And he is supposed, and it, it's a prayer. So um, he has somebody at his office is like working on translating it. Like he, he took a picture of it from the set, like the the jacket or the dress or robe or whatever, um, when he was on the set visit. So he's gonna like write an article oh um, once it's fully uh, translated about what it says. Um, I love nerds. So, so yeah, much. I'll share that when Russ finally posts that. That's kind of cool too. I like those things because they're like they're just showing the the attention to detail. So much. Because I mean, it could just be anything. You you see it as as a flash on screen, and it could just be like a bunch of random characters. It doesn't matter what it is, you know. I mean, it's not like it's not like most of us are not going to like screenshot, you know, our tele or our iPad or whatever, and be like, let me see if I can read the Kryptonese. Um, <laughs> Most that of us, wild. I would assume, <laughs> you know, so it's just nice that they like, it just goes to show how much thought was put into this show. I love that actually that it, yeah. I thought, I just thought it was pretty. I love that it actually oh. says something. I thought that was awesome. Yeah. So that whole thing was really interesting. So I guess, so when we first see him in the beginning, he announces that like the no, that we're going to, we're going to speed up the Nova cycle and like, no, the Nova cycle sort of sounded like Easter to me. And he was like, rebirth and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh, okay, cleansed everybody of their sins. I'm like, oh, all right, so this is Krypton's Easter. Um, but what I thought was really interesting, and I was trying to figure out exactly what was happening, is that he, like, turned the lights on. Like, I, I was like, is this a glow stick rave? What is happening? <laughs> so I know, so they're in a dome. I'm like, okay, so they're in the dome. So is it like the Truman Show? Like, do they have, like, a shade and he's just like, okay, it's morning time, so I'm going to turn it on. I'm like... I don't, know. I don't know. And then what it reminded me of was, so I just recently started reading these, um, like, young adult, you know, because I I like to read young adult novels. Um, I'm sitting next to you right now, no judgment. They're these, uh, the, the name of them just left my, my head, like, literally just went right out of my head. But they're about Oz and, like... In this version of Oz, like, Dorothy is, like, the evil, like, ruler of Oz. Like, she ends up going back to Oz and, like, she gets all this power and she becomes, like, this corrupt leader of Oz. And then, like, this other girl from Kansas ends up in Oz and she has to, uh, like, basically kill Dorothy in order to return Oz to their people. But anyway, the point of this was that in the book, Dorothy I've, can... I'm intrigued by this. It, the first book was pretty good. The second one, eh. Um, but the first one was pretty good. I, I can't remember what they're called. Wait, is this Dorothy Must Die? Yes! Dorothy. Yes. The first I was book. like, I've heard of this, but I haven't read it. And I was like, I wonder if that's it, so I Googled it. Yeah. It is. It's Dorothy Must Die. That's the first book. It's not the best... If you're listening and you like, you know, YA fiction, um, it's not the best, like... It's interesting, but I, I, like, sort of got a little, like, I read the first one and I went through it pretty quickly, but the second one I was a little like, eh. But anyway, the point is that in the, in that book, Dorothy <laughs> can decide when she wants it to be night or day. And she, like, is like, I want it to be daytime now. And she just, like, makes it daytime. And then she's like, I want it to be nighttime. And she just makes it nighttime. And so when he, when he did that, all of a sudden I just was like, we're not in Kansas anymore. Like. Wow. I was like, oh, this sort of reminds me of, like, how Dorothy can just turns 
turns the lights on, essentially. So it was, like, weird to me. I'm like, does he do this every morning? Or does he just do this because it's the Nova cycle? Or what's happening? I don't know. Well, actually, now that I'm thinking about this, am I... And I could be completely making this up, but I just always assume that Rao, and maybe this is because I, like, watch a lot of terrible movies about Egypt, isn't Rao, like, a sun-type god? Yes. Yeah. Well, wouldn't that make sense for him to have to literally turn the light on? Oh, yeah. I mean, that would, it would I mean, make that sense. That would be and, really interesting. Yeah. But it was just funny to me, because I was like, oh, does he do this every morning? I mean, I'd say yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, does he does he get up at a certain time every morning? He's like, okay, Cock crows at five. Like, it's time for everybody to get up. You know, like, <laughs> it was just weird. Like, I was like, oh, I wonder if he does this every day. Hmm. I'm going to say yes. Yeah, that sounds good. So then he goes down to, uh, he goes down to the rank list and he sees they're all, like, upset still. And he promises that they're going to have their sort of retribution, which is what leads us to, you know, him sort of, you know, making Darren arrest Lyda. Um... And then we had, you know, poor little, poor little Una, you know, Kem, Kem and it, it was so cute. I loved, I loved your tweet that you were like, I'm, I'm intrigued by this, like, Kem, Adam and Seg and little Una, like, three men and a baby thing that they're setting up. I would watch that show. Absolutely. Hey. It would, I think it would be hilarious watching them try to, like, take care of this little girl while doing all this other stuff. This is what I'm saying. We could have the, the three men and a baby show over here with all the guys and, and Ona and then all ladies could be on the other side doing, doing all the, all the important stuff <laughs> i could just see in, in that show adam would be like making una go get beers for him and like bring him <laughs> food and stuff he'd be like una can you go over there <laughs> i have i have no doubt like ken would come in and be like what are you doing it would be hilarious i want that spinoff that should be our like in between in between seasons I would be about it, is all I'm saying. Or, like, you know how they do those little, um, who does, uh, I'm trying to think of, there's a show that does this. They do these little, like, clips of, like, other stuff that, they, like, will just be on the internet. Or, like, little two-minute, like, scenes. Oh, the CW does it. Every season there's some kind of, like, some product that they're pimping and they have this, oh, like... like, Riverdale and, like, Kevin's Diary. Yeah, whatever. yeah, like, that kind of thing. Yeah. Which is bad. Or, oh, no, the worst ones. I'm sorry. Let me take that back. I I feel like I've insulted Kevin now that I've thought of the real worst one, which was on The Flash earlier this season, where they were trying to sell, like, Microsoft Surfaces or something. So they made poor, like, Daniel Panabaker and Hartley Sawyer, like, do extra scenes and, like, hawk them. Oh, yeah. Remember, or, like... <laughs> Used them for science or something. It was just not. They were really bad. Yes. Yeah. Really bad. Yeah. So something like that, just not bad. Um, <laughs> on like the sci-fi site, just little like two minute, like funny clips of them with Una. But I mean, that'll never happen because Una has now become initiated into the cult. Yeah. I was a little like, oh no, what's happening? No. And she was so happy and so cute. But I was well, just like, oh I God. I thought she was going to be evil, which I guess. In a way, she sort of was, but not really. She was a conduit of evil, I guess. Right. So this is I, the interesting thing, right? So I'm I'm intrigued to understand, like, does she know what she's doing? I don't know. And, like, want, is she I still evil? Or, like, is it just a thing where, like, she happened to be there? And Well, no, because Ron wakes up and she's like, we have to stop Ona. 
So obviously she knows that because she's been tapped into Brainiac's, you know, core or whatever, she knows what the plan is and that the plan is for the Sentry to um, embody Rao, the voice of Rao. I don't know. Because I, I feel like my gut response is to be like, of course she can't know what she's doing. She's such a cute kid. But I also had have seen night, Children of the like, Corn. evil. <laughs> I thought she was going to turn out to be the right. sentry, basically. And little children are evil. Oftentimes, yeah. <laughs> but I liked her. I thought no, I know. Really She's super cute. Like, she was so, like, all about her faith, and then she got to get her own... I mean, do they just have child-sized outfits <laughs> laying around in the back? <laughs> this is the thought I had. I was like, what is the process to join these priestesses? Like, <laughs> where did they get this from? The sewing guild made it for this her really quick. Like, really fast. This is why I'm really annoying to watch television with, because this is what I think about. I'm like... <laughs> you ask these ridiculous questions like, did you have this just laying around, this, like, child-sized robe? I don't understand. Maybe yeah. that's a thing. Maybe maybe all the word around priestesses or whatever they are, like, handmaids, get recruited as children. Yeah, I mean, maybe. I mean, maybe that's the thing. This just all really made me think of that episode of Supergirl where the, um... The guy accidentally, like, makes a Rao cult. Oh, Rao's brother. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he was like, oops, I've accidentally made, like, a cult to worship Kara. (laughs) Oh, no. He's like, my bad. That wasn't really where I was going, but. But, like, that was, I couldn't stop thinking about that because all all of those people were like, Kara will save us. And that was actually a cult, and this has a very culty vibe. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it definitely has a culty vibe. But then part of me is like, but maybe they're just very, like, maybe this is just what their religion looks like. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, I mean, listen, I'm, I'm again, fairly. did overthrow the government, so there's that. Right. I mean, I, I'm a fairly religious person, and, I mean, there is an argument to be made that almost all religions can sort of resemble a cult. So. That is true. So, it's like, well, you know, you all show up at the same place to worship something you've never seen, and, you know. You appoint someone your leader. <laughs> this person, quote unquote, talks to God, you know, so it's like. Could be anything. Right. <laughs> yeah, so I was like super intrigued. I'm like, I just wanted to know, like, so is Una like a little, like, evil person now? Is she also like a brain? But I guess, I guess, so this is, I think, what was confusing to me a little bit was I guess the sentry was never in Una. It was just in the little doll thing. Right, because she didn't yeah, get that's, infected that's the way her mom did. So that's what made me feel like it was just like not necessarily coincidence. Maybe it like has mind control or something. I need further information. Yeah, me too. Because <laughs> I'm not quite sure where. And and this is my own fault for clearly not not paying any attention to where this little thing came from. But where did it come from? Like, how did it? Who? What was like the chain of custody of this thing? Like, well, you know what was weird to me too was like when. Did it go from Rom to Ona's doll? Yeah. Because when she's, like, all, like, freaked, you know, when she's all, like, greened out and she's, like, attached to the to the thing and sending the information or whatever and, you know, Seg goes in, like, last week, like, she doesn't see Ona between that time. So, like, when did this little creepy thing, like, jump out of her body? Into this doll Into the statue, doll, doll statue. statue thing. That's a terrible doll, by the way. Right, it's a little creepy. And- she needs, she deserves a better toy. <laughs> I assumed it was some type of like religious relic thing in their house. 
Oh, she, I guess that would make sense. That like she a, was, yeah. Like a statue or something. Yeah, like a little, like, yeah, like a Rao statue or something. Um, Although that makes the question of how it got in there even more. Yeah. Worse. I don't know. I, maybe we're not supposed to think about this this hard. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> Probably this is not. why we're on a show like this. Right. Although, what I did think of was, when Val says, like, oh, it's going to seek, like, a more important, or however he says that, like, basically, like, a person of power kind of thing, host, it did make me feel a little better about an issue you had, which was, like, why did you send this one century to Candor? Like, if its mission was to get to the voice of Rao, then I was like, okay, you dropped it, like, right outside where the scavengers pick it up. And, like, and if it has some type of, like, thought process or, like, tel telepathic power, then, like, it was gonna be able to get to the voice. Because if it, if it, because it's clearly not in Una. So it sort of just influenced her to, like, go to Rao so that well, it could get... I don't even know if it did that, because I get the feeling that, that she was just quite religious herself. Right, but the thing, to... the thing that made me feel like it was, it was the centuries, like, that the century had some type of, like, uh, power over her was because when Rom says to Adam, like, you have to stop Una... Oh, yeah. Or maybe they maybe they thought she was evil like I did. Right. Right. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But, yeah, I actually really like this explanation that you just did, though, because that means that it wasn't... I had originally been kind of envisioning the, the scout thing as more of a, like, let's kind of carpet bomb the area with things to sort of gather information about the planet apparently Brainiac already had at least some of that information. Right. Enough to send something specific after someone specific, which is like a stage two thing. And I thought we were still kind of at a, like a stage one colonization effort. We're at the research and development stage. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I, it's definitely, I, I think it's like a little further along in the plan than, than we were led to believe in the beginning. Which actually, like, comes back to our, our Brainiac conspiracy theory, because if he and the voice of Rao are the same person, thanks to some tiny, whiny something or other, he would already have a lot of that information. Right. And, like, maybe this is somehow, like, because in some version of, in one of, like, Brainiac's backstories, he is actually from Krypton. So this could be, like, you know, the time loop of, like, this thing always happens. Oh, like, God. Like, in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, where the trash can saves them. Even right. though I can't figure out where the trash can originally entered the story. Right. So, like, it, or it's like the chicken, what came first, the chicken or the egg? Like, maybe this is just sort of always the sequence of events. Like, that Brainiac sends this thing. Like, Brainiac comes from the future to the past sends this thing to the voice of Rao, and the voice of Rao becomes Brainiac. Yeah. And then it's, like, just, like, it's, like, some sort of weird time loop. I would believe that. If Which is why I'm convinced that there's more to why the same actor is playing the two characters. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> I mean, sorry, guys. If this turns out to be, like, incredibly wrong, and we spent multiple hours talking about it, but the time this is over, we'll, like... Do something embarrassing. <laughs> the listeners are like, okay, guys, move on to something else. <laughs> we'll, we'll just pick right on up and move on to the next thing. 
Um, did we talk about the gross nose bug? Oh, no, because it was disgusting. I was like, oh my god, what has happened? Like, I was like, I don't even want to look at it. What is happening? And I have to give, like, Cameron such credit for his acting, because obviously that's CG. Ugh. But, like, he really convinced me that that thing was crawling in his face. And I was like, oh my god, what is going on right now? <laughs> I have a lot of of phobias and dislike a lot of things. And that's just a combination of many things I am either afraid of or actively dislike, one of which is large bugs, two of which is large bugs on my person, three of which is large bugs climbing into an orifice. I mean, the only way that could have been worse is if it had, like, started laying eggs somewhere. Honestly, the only way that could have been more of a nightmare. I liked that he, like, turned it around and used it to escape. He's very creative. He is. I was thinking. I would really like to see, like, I was thinking about this today, and I mean, obviously, again, like, we've only had four episodes, and there's only ten episodes, and so we don't really have a lot of quote-unquote downtime, um, but, like, he's been, like, marked for the science guild, of which he hasn't shown up to work yet, um, so he's gonna get fired. Need anyone else in the science guild? I don't know that I believe the science guild is real. But, I mean, I want to see him, like, like, what is the proclivity he has towards science, because I, like, I don't see him sciencing anything, so... Well, he has a holographic granddad, science. Right, but he didn't make the hologram. (laughs) Well, yes, I'm just like, he's sciencing with that. He's sciencing with hologram. Oh my god, wait, speaking of hologram granddad, the best line of the episode was Adam saying, when I was (laughs) growing up, I always wanted my own droid like R2-D2, but (laughs) hologram granddad is pretty sweet. I was like, first of all, you just confirmed that uh, the Star Wars universe is a thing. <laughs> <It's>, it's, <laughs> like, Star Wars are actual movies that exist on Earth in your iteration of the world. So that's that's awesome. I loved it. Also, same, Adam. I always wanted a droid like R2-D2. Mm, I, was always, I always thought C-3PO would be more useful, but... Uh, I feel like C-3PO would talk too much. I mean, I guess maybe you learn to translate the beeping after a right. while. Yeah. Um, but again, we, I felt like there wasn't enough Adam in this episode. I, I kind of feel like there hasn't been enough Adam since the show started, kind of. Yeah. I think I did the same thing last week, but I'm just like, oh, and, and on one level, I feel kind of bad complaining about it because as I said before, it's the part of the story that interests me the least. Right. So I'm okay with it. And it's not like I don't want him to be on the show, but I'm like, can we find something else to do with him? I don't, I don't know. It's, it's maybe that part of the story can't get going till Brainiac actually gets there. Or maybe everyone else realized that the more interesting part of the show is the stuff that doesn't have anything to do with Superman. But it does feel, it, it feels a little odd that we know almost nothing more than we did in the first episode. Yeah, if I, if I had to say, like, I, I don't really have any complaints about this show so far. My only one is that I feel like the character of Adam is just sort of there. Yeah. And, like, I really like him. Like, I really like the actor. Um, He's super easy on the eyes. And when he does speak, oh, like, it's, it's funny and, like, I always enjoy, like, whatever scene he's in. But I'm just, I just feel like I don't really understand what his purpose is. Like, he came to tell us this thing. We've got that ball rolling. 
so can you do something else with him? Like, I don't, like, he's not, he's never, like, helping to save the day or, yeah. I mean, I think he spent more time hanging out with Kim than he has with Seg. Or with, like, Projection Grandpa. <laughs> or with, or with Projection Grandpa. Which also is strange to me because, so, we know in the future, you know, like, Jor-El has a similar technology that he creates for Kal-El. Um, or he just uses this technology. But in any other iteration of this technology, this, like, AI, there are these, like, see-through, like, holographic, like, they're not so crisp. Like, he, that looks like a person. Like, a, like, and I mean, I know it is, but, like, <laughs> like, it just looks too real. Like, it almost looks like a, like a see-through, like a robot or something. Like, it doesn't look like a hologram. Yeah, no, it it just looks like a person, right? And so, and then I feel like the way they interact with him too, like the fact that he's just like standing around in the fortress alone, essentially like working on stuff, is like weird to me. I mean, I guess I don't know. It's like, like, like he's not really a he's a computer program, essentially. Yeah, on um on Supergirl when they talk to their version of of hologram granddad, which I guess is hologram mom. She only pops up, like, she doesn't seem to just be, like, hanging out there. Right, and she doesn't move. She's on that little, like, disc thing. Like, Kara has to go into that room to, like, talk to her. Yeah. It's it's not just, like, wandering freely. Although, I guess if this... I guess if this is in some way uh, inspired by or or takes from um, the DCEU, from Man of Steel then Russell Crowe's Jor-El does sort of move around. I'm trying to remember. Because remember, yeah. he's like talking to Lois on the ship. He does seem to be in different places. He does seem to move around. He's not like in a stationary spot where you have to talk to him. When I was thinking about it last night, I was more or I was more so thinking of like like Christopher Reeve's Superman and how like Jor-El is just like this little like hazy hologram that he talks to, but... I guess if you're thinking in terms of like newer iterations, like the Man of Steel, he he does he does move around. Okay, never mind. I, I proved myself wrong. Okay, anyway, <laughs> <laughs> moving on. Um, is there anything else we haven't addressed? Um, I don't know that we've talked enough about how gross the nose bug was. It was pretty gross. It was pretty oh, gross. Oh, we haven't talked about um. Walter from Arrow. Oh, right, yes, Walter from Arrow. We didn't find out his name, so I just kept referring to him as Walter from Arrow. But he's some kind of, like, defunct Sagittarii, possibly Black Zero, possibly neither person who knows about Brainiac. I did get a little, I did get a little Barry Allen as a splash vibe from that for a second. And I was like, (laughs) again? (laughs) How does everyone find out these things? How do you know about Brainiac? I'm here to ask the questions. Um, and then he he does make note that he knows Seg's family. So I was like, maybe he's a, like, old colleague of Val's. Oh, that would, that would be, that would be neat, actually. And it would make sense. Because, obviously, he couldn't have been the only person that knew that they weren't the only you know, life in the universe. Right. I mean, I really didn't, I really didn't, besides him saying, like, I have a complicated history with your family, I didn't really, like, 
I don't know. I didn't feel like I had any clue that he, if he's supposed to be somebody or if he's like just a I new, know. like, I don't know if I'm supposed to think he's somebody or if I'm supposed to just, he's just a new character that's getting introduced. I, it wasn't really clear to me. Anyways. And I don't know enough like of the sort of second tier people or not even second tier, just like not main core people in this universe to even be like, Oh, well clearly that's person X. I don't know. Yeah. Right. I have no idea. Um, he did do some neck snapping, so I was like, well, that looks like a Sagittarii move. I mean, <laughs> people love to break necks on this show. I was like, what is up with this? This is like the third time someone's had their neck snapped. <laughs> I mean, part of me is just like, they are making it look really easy to just break someone's neck. And I, I don't think that that's true. <laughs> Frank, yeah, no, I don't. Yeah, I, I don't think so. <laughs> I also felt like it was really easy for Seg to kind of escape, and so I wonder if, like, that was... They, like, let, they, they like, like, let him go? Like, if maybe they're trying to follow him to the fortress or something? That would that would make sense, because he did get out of there pretty easily. Although, at least he, if he used the nasty, the nasty bug. Ugh. Ugh, so gross. No, I don't know if I was supposed to kind of giggle a little bit at that last shot of him just like trudging through the snow bleeding. <laughs> trudging like, through the tundra. Entire arc so far this season is just like trudging back and forth or in a, you know, uh, a crawler thing like across this waste. <laughs> <laughs> like Cormac McCarthy's The Road, but huh? he's just going back and forth. Back and forth. Yeah. Maybe it's, maybe it's time to just like invest in. in, in jetpack i don't i don't know <laughs> or at least like a winter coat some sort of like protection from the elements because if you're going to be hiking back and forth it looks pretty cold i feel like i feel like there's one other thing i wanted to talk about and i can't remember what it was now i know i had i had something i wanted to talk about and i should have written it down now i can't remember what it is yeah, there's just there was so much this week. well you know what we got an email so let's uh read the email maybe that will jog our memories or see what this thoughts or are us off down an entirely new and unrelated path. <laughs> <laughs> you know never know so this email is from Jacques massard says krypton predictions hey love your show thanks, thanks Jacques. Jacques. thanks for listening so being a superman fan with so much comic book fact tonage in my skull i have some wild predictions for you please take with a pound of salt one, Brainiac will not be dealt with by the end of the season. Okay. Um, I could see that. I could see them carrying that into the second season. I could, too, just because we're taking so long. I mean, we're next next week is the halfway point of the season, believe it or not. So I would be surprised if they could do everything they wanted to do with that in five more episodes. I would I wouldn't be entirely opposed to you know I, I don't need um a villain of this of the season you know that's a that's a happy little trope that exists over on C in CW land but um like I remember being a, a young person and watching TV and like threads went on for seasons yeah so that would be totally fine with me if Brainiac was still sort of in the picture and and part of the part of the narrative next season. Uh, so number two he has here, the voice of Rao took power by triggering Kryptonian superpowers to heal the sick and injured, his proof of his divine right to rule. Hmm. Ooh, maybe he's not Kryptonian, and he gets power from the Red Sun. 
Oh, I guess that's possible. I was gonna guess something dumb, like he brought like an Earth sun lamp, but that's probably dumb. <laughs> funny if he is actually like an alien and he's trying to make everybody think there are no aliens no like the wizard of oz right that would totally oh, i like it i like it jock bringing that conversation back. <laughs> bringing that full circle uh number three he has here daxamites were kryptonians that left krypton tens of thousands of years ago all official proof was hidden by the voice to isolate krypton okay i feel like they talked about um, I mean, I know, granted, that Supergirl has no real, like, whatever happens on Supergirl doesn't necessarily impact the show, but I'm trying to remember if they ever said anything like that on Supergirl, but I tune mon out sometimes, so I don't remember. I think they were just a neighboring planet, though. Well, uh, no, this, the lore on Supergirl is that they were Kryptonians that, that left and formed their own society. So Daxamites used to be Kryptonians. Okay. Yeah. I'll buy that. So, yeah, Okay. His next one is Adam and Seg have a falling out when Seg finds out that Krypton must explode for super so Superman exists on Earth. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's yeah, that's so that's definitely happening because Adam's totally leaving that part of the story out. And then for Max shipping drama, <laughs> he says, "Oh, this is what I sent to you earlier. Nissa is the mother of Jor-El and grandmother of Superman, but not Supergirl's grandmother." Lyda is the mother of Zor-El and grandmother of Supergirl. Zor-El being then half-brother to both Jor-El and General Zod. Ooh. I like it. It is really dramatic. It's super dramatic, and I like it a lot. I do. I mean, I will I will say this part of me that does, like, the kind of unspoken tragedy of it all, because these people will never, well, unless Adam tells them, I guess, like, these people will never, like... No one will ever know all of these connections except us. Right. So it's 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 got a nice little extra seasoning of, of tragedy that I'm really always into because I'm a masochist. <laughs> I so, mean every good yeah. every good story is a tragedy. I mean like yes, torture me more. Make me sad. I mean, listen, the greatest couple in all of the Marvel Cinematic Universe is the couple that never was. Oh, Stephen Peggy. Stephen Peggy. I mean, oh, yeah. <laughs> they're the best couple, and, and they never know, were actually a couple. Like, <laughs> I opened my mouth to be like, Stephen Bucky? <laughs> <laughs> Which I totally ship, by the way. Don't send me hate mail, people. It's Ducky for life. Oh... <laughs> uh... But no, really, I mean, listen, the tragedy of these things is what makes them interesting. You know, that that's what makes you feel because you're like, oh, God, it never got to be, it, you know, it never was or it should have been or things didn't have to be this way. You know, if people just communicated with one another, because that's usually what the problem is. It's the tragedy of almost <laughs> of almost saying what you feel. Um, but it would be interesting if like there's there's sort of like a. You know, all we really know even about Zorel is that he, you know, when they decide to send, you know, when Jorel decides to send Kal-El, that he sends Kara to look after him. And so there's, there is, I guess, some thought process that could be had where, you know, where Zorel has a falling out with Jorel and his way of, because of his brother, General Zod, and, um... You know, that's why he sends Kara as sort of like an atonement. 
Oh, I like that. <laughs> Dad. Like, I didn't take care of my brother the way I should have. I sided with the other one, so I'm going to send my daughter to watch over your son. Oh, that's so sad, but oddly perfect. All right, that's my... I like it, Jack. I like it. (laughs) I've just decided that that's the story now, so... (laughs) Too bad, show. We have finished it. (laughs) We finished it for you. Uh, So Jack just said, thanks again. I hope you have fun with these. Thank you so much for emailing us. Those were fun. I did enjoy them. And also, it it satisfies all the shipper drama. Because everyone gets something. Everybody gets a kid. (laughs) Everybody gets a child. Everyone went. And also, you know, the destruction of their own race. But whatever. It's fine. Whatever. I mean, listen, you know, and and it's funny because a bunch of the, you know, the actors and the creators have been obviously being interviewed a lot recently. have Have all sort of alluded to the fact that, like, anything can happen. This could be a different universe. It's not you know, written in stone that this has to end the way we think it does. I know. I mean, I've been assuming that they probably want to figure out some way to get out of that, if only so that the show can continue. Right. But then again, I like, I don't mind knowing that, you know, a couple of generations from now, this planet will be gone because at that point, all of these people that I'm watching and care about right that I'm watching right now and care about right now will be dead anyway. Right. I mean, it, it's it's 200 years. I mean, are you really going to fast forward through 200 years and in even 10 seasons, you know? Yeah, it's kind of like knowing that eventually the Earth will crash into the sun. Like, that sucks. And I'm sure it's going to be not fun if humanity still manages to stick around for that long. But, like, it's so far in the future that I can't, like, mentally see it as, like, a real thing. Right. It doesn't, like, ruin the story for me. Yeah. It's kind of like, I mean, depending on how you feel about these movies isn't, is sort of irrelevant, but, like, it's like episodes one through three of Star Wars. Like, you know how that story ends. Yeah. Like, he he turns into Darth Vader. Like, so, so, like, the whole time you're watching it, like, yeah, you can be like, oh, little Anakin, and... Oh, he's in love with Padme, and this is so sweet. But it's like, but at the end of the day, like, you know where this is going. Like, but you can still enjoy it. You can still enjoy the story, even though you know where it's going. Yeah, and I also think there's a little, I think it's a little different when you look at something like Star Wars, where you're like, oh, Anakin and Padme, they're so cute. Her dresses are so amazing. Like, it's a little different to being, to knowing that, like, I'm going to watch him literally murder her. <laughs> versus this civilization will be gone in several hundred years. Right. So I think it's a little easier to, to kind of separate yourself from that in the case of something like Krypton. Because right. Because it doesn't, it doesn't feel nearly as immediate. Right. Right. So if you could make it through Star Wars and be entertained, you're fine with this. <laughs> yeah. Although that said, I, I don't, I don't object to the possibility of this being a different universe where different things happen and and where no one whether they've read the comics or not knows what's coming like that's kind of fun yeah i'm not opposed to it either i'm not opposed to getting to the end of this and it being like oh krypton doesn't blow up and kal-el grows up on krypton and never comes to earth <laughs> he's just like a normal well-adjusted kid <laughs> he's just like i <laughs> think we said this on one of the episodes he's just some rando that lives on krypton it's fine <laughs> like <laughs> What else? <laughs> like, 
Yeah, I don't think th- I don't think that's like a terrible ending for him at all. But it does seem like they're going to sort of infuse, you know, more comic book stuff and um I don't know that that'll necessarily be the uh, you know, necessarily be the 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 switch or the change. I think that that you know, all those characters are still going to exist and at some point, you know, Superman will will end up on Earth. Um but you know, how he gets there could be different. True. You know, we know that Adam time traveled from from Earth, you know, or or Zeta beamed over to Krypton. He time traveled and Zeta beamed to Krypton. So maybe I don't know. You know, there's a future in which Kal-El just decides to go to Earth and check it out. Yeah, I think there's a lot of. I don't think this is is a show that's written in stone by any stretch. Yeah, yeah, which I think is good. Um, I think we have covered everything. I think so. Gosh, I feel like we talked a lot. Sorry, everybody. Yes, I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm trying to edit it down a little bit so it's not like four hours long. Um, But yeah, we got our feedback. Um, Next week's episode is titled House of Zod. So I'm guessing we're going to get some backstory or some, you know, interesting information about our two of our favorite ladies. Um, And perhaps the... Hmm? I can't wait. Oh. So, yeah, on that note, I guess, Lacey, let them know where they can find you on the interwebs. On the interwebs. I am Lacey MB pretty much everywhere. It's L... Ugh. It's... I can spell my name. It's L-A-C-Y-M-B on pretty much every social media platform that I would actually spend any time on. Uh, If you want to read more of my thoughts on The Flash, which are many and varied, uh, I recap it over at Telltale TV. Uh, I'm also recapping Killing Eve over at Culturist, and I write about Doctor Who there, too. We're just in a hiatus, so I don't have anything to yell about. Speaking of yelling, I spend a lot of time yelling about television on Twitter, so come yell with me. Have a good time. (laughs) You can find me on Twitter at MimiC1019. That's M-I-M-I-C-1019. You can find me writing recaps of Krypton as well as Riverdale over at TV Source Magazine, and I will occasionally write about other things, whatever strikes me. Sometimes it's the MCU, sometimes it's Stranger Things or Walking Dead or something. Um, I also host a podcast. It's hashtag TV Geek, H-A-S-H-T-A-G TV Geek. Uh, You can find that on Twitter or anywhere that you uh, listen to your podcasts. Um, And there we just talk about various different geek items, you know. Uh, we just did our top 10 favorite movies podcast, and then we had a couple of little um, side side things, like your favorite franchise, favorite rom-com. That was a fun fun thing. We're going to do our favorite TV shows next. Um, so that should be interesting to try to narrow it down to 10. <clears throat> <laughs> and if you want to um, get more information about this podcast and the network we belong to, you can visit kryptonpodcast.com for all the latest news, photos, trailers, descriptions, and more about Krypton. You can follow the podcast on social media at Krypton Podcast. You'll find that on Facebook and Twitter. If you have any questions, thoughts about Krypton, etc., you can email us at kryptonpodcast at gmail.com. Um, share them with us. We love to reading your emails. Interact with us on Twitter. Lacey and I try to switch off who is live tweeting the episode every week, so please come and chat. We always enjoy the feedback. You can subscribe to the Krypton Podcast at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, and Google Play. And while you're on iTunes, if you wouldn't mind hitting us up with some five-star reviews, that would be cool. Um, There was different hosts of this show before we took over, and so some of the reviews are about those hosts, so it would be really great if we could get some reviews about us. 
please. Because we're awesome, <laughs> just saying. Anyway. I'm not Becky. I'll do it. <laughs> I mean, I could go write a review about myself, but, you know, it's better if you guys do it. Um, let us know what you enjoy most about Krypton, about the podcast. If there's anything specific you'd like us to talk about, start thinking now about what you want us to talk about over the hiatus, because we have a few ideas, but we'd love to hear what you'd like to hear us talk about. And you can follow the entire DCTV podcast network featuring podcasts for all of the CW shows. I am not listing them. Um, the classic DCTV <laughs> shows and the upcoming Titans show at DCTVpodcast.com. You can follow the network on social media at DCTV Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And last but not least, we have a mega feed for all of this stuff on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and Google Play. And that's uh, DCTV Podcasts. And that'll be all for this week. We'll see you next week for House of Zod. Woo!